for the first time in my life, I felt like I did not have any status or any belonging in a place that I have called home for the past four years. I think that's something I learned from my mom. If you make up your mind, you do it. Simple as that. <laughs> there is no like here, there, you figure it out and you get what you want. Simple as that. Like just figure everything out in the way, but the goal should be what you want. But I think one thing that being an international person in the US teaches you is just being resilient and constantly having to adapt yourself to changing situations. We need our American allies to be there for us and to stand for us. So as an international, as a person of color, I think the biggest support in this era that we are in and this you know situation that we're in is to stand with us politically and to be there for us politically because you can actually make a difference with that one simple political allegiance you know that's all you've got to do because we're never going to be get to vote unless we're naturalized i've already prepared for the worst to happen and i've already like accepted it if it happens, it happens. I'll figure it out. We may be in nationals, but we do co contribute immensely to the US, be it to educational institutions, be it to organizations, be it to companies. We do contribute immensely. Hello everybody and welcome to the second part of episode 11 of Interlocking Threads, Conversations with International Students. This conversation was recorded on October 25th, 2020, when we spoke with Malvika Dua from India, Sitashma Thapa from Nepal and Stija Banerjee from India. The three of them graduated amidst the pandemic this spring and in our conversation shared their experience of adapting to changing plans their relationship to the American dream and shared how domestic citizens can use their rights to support international students and immigrants. To hear more about who these three are, check out the episode introductions on our profile. Well, Shreja, I think you opened up a door for us um, in your introduction which um, I don't, listeners may not know that we graduated the same year. And so all three of us got the call in March about COVID hitting us <laughs> and affecting us. And so in March, my context was really different. I got a letter, we got the letter from Ann Houtman and within a week I was driving home to Montana to finish our senior year online. I knew I had a home to go to and that was my plan. And I wanted to know what were your options as an international student and how did this moment of asking you to pause and reassess, how did this change your plans as a graduating senior? 
So I think when we got the my email during March, all of us were definitely very anxious. We were all very confused. We didn't know what what comes next. But as Lynn was saying, something that we ensured we we wanted to do was do it together. Like whatever we were doing, we just wanted to make sure that we stayed connected and we took into account everyone and moved forward. I don't know if you guys want to go ahead and add to that. So when we got the call, we were, we had like, all of us had pretty much two options because we were international students. I think it was in a way better. I just like, in a way, I think it was better for us now looking back because we did have the opportunity and option to stay back. It was a pretty um, like rat rattling moment because we didn't know so if we go home none of us we were a group of like 12 people um who were really connected throughout senior year and we knew if we and we were all international students and we knew if we go home we lose touch and we didn't want to spend our senior year alone and in just yeah just alone so all of us although through very various ups and downs and various discussions with our families, with each other about the future. And also another thing is we didn't know if we could come back if we went home. Like if we go home, do we come back? Do we not? And so we all decided, all, all of us, that we, would, we should stay on at Earlham. Although there were a lot of ups and downs with that as well when we decided to stay at Earlham. But uh, we all did decide to stay at Earlham till May, till we graduated. Um, and we were all together, so that was a blessing. And we did have, I think, the most out of a very terrible situation. And we will be forever grateful to Earlham for that, I think. Because we could stay on. Right. And also, just like what, like, I feel like some a commonality that we all shared was that we all knew that we wanted to stay back here in the States because um, when we came here four years ago, that was our aim, like our main purpose. Like after graduating, we're either going to work. Well, I feel like most of us, like Shija, I also had accepted a job offer in Washington, D.C. at um, a fundraising company. And I was like quite certain that I was going to go there. But then, of course, like due to COVID, like the job offer was, you know, like it was had it had to be like, taken back and but at that point I remember that all of us we knew that we wanted to stay and when there were situations where we were almost giving up and we were contemplating going back home I think just looking at each other and looking at each like our like you know when you see your friend working hard toward a common goal you're eventually gonna get motivated and you're gonna get like inspired and you realize that okay if she's if she's doing that you know what I can do that too you know so I feel like it was such a good um I'm so grateful that we all got to stay together because that was a really positive energy of just inspiration and we were just kind of inspiring each other and yeah that's the thing about friends I think you do not realize that you you have such a like an important and strong role to play in each other's lives because we're friends and with friendship you don't really associate any like professionalism or anything but then 
yeah, like now that I look about back at it, I feel like if I didn't have them, like this group of people that we were with, I feel like I would have just hopped on a plane back home to Nepal and my my life would have been completely different. And adding on to that as well, I think I do give all of a lot of the credit as well because they ensured that our stay during that period was comfortable, that we were taken care of. And especially I think now that, you know, we transitioned away from Earlham, you really miss the bubble and the way they do take care of international students over there. So definitely like Earlham did play a massive role in keeping us together. Yeah, like our friends were being just thrown out of their colleges. Like our friends as in friends from back home were in different other colleges. Colleges as big as like, you know, like Ivy League colleges, they were just being just tossed out. And, but we, we knew that, Earlham just had our back and I think that was just such a like it helped us so much Mm -hmm. so what occurred during the time frame from when your career at Earlham ended your senior year in May and where your next place to go what was the time frame what was going on because you're international were you all allowed to stay until you are where you are now no. So we left after, was it 9th May, I think? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It was that weekend. We were all supposed to leave because Erlang was going to make us pay to stay. <laughs> so we all decided that's not an option, obviously. And so actually, um, a very interesting story. All of us um, got like a house nearby in Richmond. So we were a lot of people and we, this very nice lady um, let us stay um, in her property. It was a, it was a Airbnb, but she, she uh, reduced the costs for us and very nice. That was the thing about Richmond as well. Like there were really nice people there who understood. And so she allowed us all to stay and a couple of us stayed there till August, a couple of us, we just like, it was like a safe haven where everyone was walking, working towards like a common goal again, like, and everyone was inspiring each other. We were having fun. We were in this little bubble. We wouldn't even go out to grocery shop or anything. We would like Instacart in and like, it was just like, we would cook for each other. We would like, yeah, it was just, yeah, it was it was very so yeah I stayed there till end of May and I moved to I moved to Boston in June because I was starting my job um on June 15th and I wanted to quarantine for two weeks so I moved um to Boston in June and then I started working remotely at first (laughs) and I started going into that was me so I was there till almost August so I left on August 1st Um, yeah and it was really wonderful just being in that place because most of us who were staying there almost had no idea what we were doing next so we all took that time and it was it was like it was a great support system as well because all of us were just there you know we'd work during the day whether it was job applications grad school applications just working and then in the evening we just you know, relax, come together, play games and just, yeah, spend some time together, which was very nice. And yeah, I was there till August and then I moved to Pittsburgh on August 1st. 
with one of my friends from Olam itself, Meghna. Both of us are at Carnegie, so both of us moved together here. It was in fact the, um, Bob from Richmond who drove us to Pittsburgh, and he was also so wonderful. So I think Olam and Richmond introduced us to so many different and wonderful people who really like helped us out so much during our time there. I know Bob. <laughs> I know Bob. He talks about all that he loves taking students all over the place. Yeah, he does all those long distance drives and doesn't have a problem. He gets back to Richmond and he has an accident in Richmond. Yes, I felt so bad. And it was literally like, I think like a week or so after he dropped us, it was just, we were so terrified. I sent him a message saying, I'm, hope, I'm hoping you're fine. And he was like, yeah, don't worry. He's just a very lovely person. He took my son back to the airport too. So I use him too. He's in my water, aer he's in my water aerobics class. That's how I met him. <laughs> Besides, he, well, he did do some driving for the events office, I forgot, but mostly I got to know him better in water aerobics. Yes. <laughs> also, just on the topic of Bob, I'd like to mention that I appreciate how like every time we have an interaction, like he drives us somewhere, he'll go back and he'll, he has a post about us on his Facebook. Like he'll talk about, oh, today I dropped off someone from India. Oh, I dropped off someone from Nepal. When Malvika's friend was visiting, he actually made a post dedicated to Malvika's friend. Of course, like he didn't write his name but that's just so sweet like where else do you get that you know but yeah um i um got to stay in richmond um till july i was very fortunate because in june i was offered um a short-term employment at um, this organization based here in indianapolis so um but and luckily my I was on OPT because I thought I was going to work first, right? So I came here, I transitioned um, quite soon after to a working environment over here. Um, and I had a place to live here in Indy before I moved, you know, like independently. But yeah, but um, till May though, I feel like that's when we needed the most like support and we were able to get that from Earlham. So during the summer, there were threats and talks about revoking visa. And um, I'm, I'm curious at a level, like, what, what does it mean to take on a commitment? Like a time commitment and a life commitment or a change of plans for your life? with like say like policy that can potentially be revoked now at any time where does that place you mentally I'm really curious of like how how does this make you feel is kind of like the question because I don't think um if I didn't have so many international friends I wouldn't understand the visa situation nor what that policy was doing and so knowing that like you actually had to come into confrontation with that can you explain a little bit what what that was doing and also how does that actually affect 
your life and your commitment to like your academics or your career, which you have spent already four years developing and investing in. Because you guys are doing some work. Like you guys are become going into positions of like real either whether it be policy or invent environmental decision making or like pursuing like the future of neuro like neuro science neuroscience so it's like you are like you guys are going into these positions of in incredible decision making you know and you are that next generation of people doing that and so how what kind of dis like for me it creates a lot of cognitive dissonance because that's a lot of insecurity to have to also hold with you while also an amount of so much responsibility so i'm really curious about this balance well yeah so when you bring up like the word insecurity i feel like the year 2020 has been about feeling insecure in ways that I cannot even like explain and from so many different um, aspects from different angles also just like being an international student here and being on a visa is such a political thing and that is something that I had not at all expected four years ago and even when the political climate just changed back in the end of 2016 i did not know how like how vulnerable we would be and that's when i realized that it takes like something really serious like to happen for you to really understand what the true situation is like what reality is so we were thrown into this pandemic and that's when we kind of i feel like personally speaking, I know that a lot of people will be able to agree with me. I felt like for the first time in my life, I felt like I did not have any status or any belonging in a place that I have called home for the past four years. So there were till today and especially now that November is approaching, I feel like there are days where I still struggle to feel like I am doing the right thing, even though I know I am, even though that the right thing, I know that the right thing for me is to pursue my dreams, to pursue my goals. But then when you know that you're vulnerable, you know that you're the minority here in this situation, it is very, very easy to succumb to insecurity. And, and it is like you said, like, there has been definitely like I feel like when people look at our where we are when we upload like when we update our LinkedIn and like oh Satosh Matapa started studying in you know like Lily Family School of Philanthropy I feel like at those moments like people are just looking at it from like a third person's view and they're like oh Tito's doing perfectly fine you know like she's got her life figured out but honestly no like like to get here at least it took a lot of cognitive dissonance, like you said, as well. But I will go back to what I was saying about how it's just been so helpful having friends who are going through the same thing. I don't know if it sounds pretty, like, messed up, <laughs> but I'm actually pretty grateful that I had people who could relate to me, you know? Because 
it's just it's it's that feeling of not feeling um alone at, and you don't want to feel like you're facing this huge challenge by yourself and also at the end of the day I think I constantly kept on reminding myself that people are going through the worst like of the worst around the world and what I'm going through is so little to what they're going through and I feel like yeah like problems like for everyone like our problems are big but then I feel like to really find like success in life and to be happy in life you should constantly remind yourself that you're really lucky and that you at least somehow have a roof above your head you know and that you have friends who you can actually call family despite being so far away from home you know so these little things are actually really really big things and they are these things that really help you develop and yourself mentally and stabilize your you know like your cognitive processes and just really focus on just doing well and being happy mm mm-hmm. Going off of what Situ was saying, um, I think when I came into the U.S. in 2016, I was I I didn't know what to expect. I also I don't I don't know what I was expecting, but I didn't. Yeah, there was a lot that happened throughout the course of like four years and continuing now that I don't think I was entirely prepared for. But I think one thing that being an international person in the U.S. teaches you is. just being resilient and constantly having to adapt yourself to changing situations and that was something that this whole this whole pandemic and the summer after that was something that i that it taught me as well because like i had a plan for myself i had a plan that i thought you know that that everything would go accordingly but then of course the pandemic hit and then a lot of like you know new dif- decisions came out by the administration and we were forced to adapt ourselves we were forced to constantly you know think on our feet stay on our toes and of course that's very difficult because you don't know what to expect from a place where you've been where you've tried to establish yourself where you hope to stay on for a longer period of time but at the same time like i think that this summer definitely built a lot of resilience and to anyone who is listening i think especially during this period where where we're constantly facing a lot of anxiety from different whether it's you know the work that you're doing whether it's this political situation whether it's what's going to happen afterwards whether we're going to be able to work here or not work here i think i would just say you know be kind and understanding towards international students because we're very far away from our families we're very far away we're trying to navigate this world we're trying to navigate this space all by ourselves and while it's it's definitely much easier having you know a good support system having a good like friend group or friend circle also i think it is definitely difficult yeah i um so yeah this like all the like because like they tr- like i was already i had already started working when the opt thing came out that it might like because i get like these google alerts for the opt and everything and like at one point it was like constantly ringing my phone with like oh this might happen this might happen this might happen and i think i went through a lot of like 
I spoke to my PI, like my professor who I was working under. I spoke to everyone that I might not be able to stay on and et cetera, et cetera at all. So I think my mechanism was like, I've already prepared for the worst to happen and I've already like accepted it. If it happens, it happens. I, I'll figure it out, you know, because if, because at that time I was constantly thinking about it and constantly wondering what is going to happen. And so I think it was a defense mechanism in my head, just accepting on just keep continuing with the work and it'll happen. Whatever will happen will happen. You especially don't have any control over it. Like zero, <laughs> like zero percent. Anything you say, anything you think will not make a difference in anything. Like that's why I've like stopped, I've like stopped even listening to the debates or anything because it's funny. Like right now, it's like when I watch it, it's funny and everything, but it also like gives rise to like, oh my God, what's going to happen? So I'm like, mm. I don't want to listen to it. I can't vote. I can't make a difference. I can't change anything. I'm just not going to listen. Whatever happens, when I read the news, I'll figure it out. Until then, it doesn't exist. See, this is why we need each other. Because we have <laughs> we have Shija, who gets very, very, you know, like, anxious as well. And then there's Malvika, who's like, yo, it's okay, you know. And we need that blend of, like, I feel like personalities where, and you just, I need to help each other out. Yeah, so. And I think definitely, like, being an international student here, I think it just teaches you, you just have, you don't have a choice but to go with the flow. Because you never know what life's going to hit, hit you with. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, like, you need to adapt to any situation. And you also become like really resilient because I I got really angry at one point, you know, like it's inevitable to be angry because and also I feel like when you're angry, like you've either there are two ways you can like go about it. You either manifest it into something positive and you really just take it upon yourself to work hard or you give up. And I feel like so far I have done the prior and not the latter. So I hopefully will continue like in this path mm-hmm. you've all talked about how important community your friendships are and you're not living on the same continent as your family so how do you and everyone when we talk about mental health during these strange and unusual times they talk about how important it is to stay emotionally connected so how do you do that is that something that is just a continuum of what you've been doing because you have been in the United States for so long? Or has it changed your relationship and how you connect with your family? I think what you were saying, I mean, transitioning from, I think, Olam the you know a new city where you don't know anyone was, especially during this period of pandemic was extremely difficult but I because I think Olam I, I didn't realize just how much of a bubble, bubble Olam really is like you know you call you get out of your rooms and you're you see all these familiar happy faces whether you are at Runyon whether you go to wellness wherever you go you know you're constantly meeting and talking to people that you know that you care for and that's always wonderful but um 
I think something that has really, and transitioning to a new place where you don't really know anyone and you can't even like build connections because like most of your classes are through Zoom. But um, I think something that's really helped me is just staying in touch with whether the, it like, you know, my family or friends from back home or my friends here, all of these guys constantly staying in touch, something, something very small, but um, that really helps me a lot is I study with my friends via like <laughs> via WhatsApp video call or FaceTime. We just stay on call with each other and we just do our own thing. But it's just so nice because you have someone if you want to just like, you know, take a small break and like talk to them. And it's just nice to have a, like someone's presence. But yeah, it's um, being away from, I think with your families, like, you know, being away sort of does teach you how to stay in touch more or less but having this space where you can constantly stay in touch digitally is definitely very helpful during this time especially to keep yourself happy and uplifted yeah okay ah. you go first okay. <laughs> i definitely because i moved to a new city in the middle of like in the middle of everything. Like it was June and everything was shut down. I didn't know what was gonna happen. I didn't even know if they were gonna start like, because they had told me you should come in. So I was actually thinking I'll just work remotely from um, from the house that we were living in. But they were like, anytime, anytime it can happen that we want you in lab. So you should just move. So I just moved and I didn't know if I was just going to be in the house all day alone. You know, I had no idea which apartment I was renting. I had never seen the place before. I had no idea who I was going to be living with anything. I just moved and I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> um, and um, so, yeah, it was like, until date, I haven't met like all members of my lab. So it's like, yeah, it's been six months and I've not seen them face to face because we go in whenever we have an experiment to run and then we get out because someone else has to come in because of social distancing. So you have to like constantly be like in like that circle. So I'm like, yeah, I can't even like make friends there. So it's like, it's very interesting, um, but I think it did, um, I think I've learned to become way more independent, but also I have learned to, um, like uh, when I moved the first move, the first couple of months, I was like, I contacted my family more than I have in like, I think four months, four years. <laughs> like, I think I, sp I spoke to them every day. And yeah, it just like, it made me actually become closer to them than I was before, which was great. And I don't know, like it was, it, it was rough at first, like the first couple of months for sure, because I was literally in my room doing nothing except like working and trying to figure out this new world because I'd never done anything like this before. And yeah, it just, it, it, it was, it was interesting. I don't know. I don't regret it, but I wish things would have been different. Yeah. Um. So my, my like classes they've actually been in person so far um because my cohort is pretty small compared to like um like other 
basically like other cohorts of like just like in IUPUI like so there are some class some like majors who are like fully online because just their cohort is really big so I feel like I'm very lucky that way because I have some sort of structure that I go to classes like twice a week and I actually um made like new friends and I've like um and also like I've realized the importance of kind of like intergenerational friendships as well because like I had not expected that in I did not know what I was expecting to be quite frank like when I came for my master's program I was sitting next to someone who was like 20 years older than me and I was just like huh like I I like I didn't know that I never thought that this would be happening so fast in my life but I feel like at this point though it was so important for me to um be in that position because I realized that everyone irrespective of age irrespective of gender you know but we're all like going through the same thing and so it, it was really nice to be like I was a part of a certain structure it's been nice that way but like Malvika said um I feel like these past like this past year I have definitely been more in touch with my family than I would have ever thought I would be um like because also like one would think that oh you've been in the states for like almost like like five years now so I'm pretty sure you're like um used to being away from home right I feel like that's a common uh, misconception that a lot of people have but I I personally think that as you get older it honestly gets harder because as you get older I think that you know your parents are also getting older and you have grandparents to think of as well and you have to kind of constantly um deal with that really bad thought like are we gonna see these faces ever again you know at least when it comes to your grandparents and that is uh, that has been a struggle that like that's been a constant struggle before this pandemic as well but then after this pandemic hit the world I think it just became more prominent because there's actually uh like a health problem that we have to worry about you know but like like Shrija said, like staying connected digitally, like uh, with like your family and friends, has just been I think the way to go, and also just this entire like this year has made me realize how important it is to really like know like really stick to your cultural roots and things like that, um because you know like you tend to neglect the things that you're so familiar with, but then now like I'm pretty sure I'm not I'm not gonna go back home this winter and um hopefully next summer who knows you know so there's that big question mark and that's when you realize that you should not be neglecting where you come from and you know who you are because that's literally a reflection of like where you are from so yeah but there have been ways I feel like you know like just staying connected just I'm pretty sure I call my mom like twice a day when I can or maybe thrice sometimes, you know, and she doesn't really know how to like, like, I don't know, like I see her ear or like her chin more than I see her like eyes, but it works, you know, it works. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think one thing that's hard that I didn't realize was hard 
um, was um, I was planning on going home for three months this co this um, summer, and I haven't been home for more than two weeks every year. And it's been a year since I've been home, and now a year and a half. And um, like I, um, I was gonna, I was like, and I don't even have like a driver's license or anything back home or any sort of ID and anything because I left at 17, and in India it happens at 18, and I've never been home long enough to um, uh, like do anything because it's just been like after a summer internship for two weeks in August before school starts, I just go home. And it's like, and I don't know, I was really looking forward to it because I like, I'm living with an Indian girl right now. Like one of my flatmates is Indian and she came like last year and she tells me things about India that I didn't know. Like <laughs> I had no idea. Like in Delhi, things are changing so fast. And I had no idea things were changing. Like, because even when I go home, I don't like go out because it's just two weeks. So I don't like, I don't get to see Delhi. I get to see my family, but I don't get to see the city or anything. So I, my memories from Delhi are five years ago. So <laughs> I don't have any recollection of it. And I had no idea, like, this is like, this is something that's very new to me. And I'm trying to like get my head around because I didn't even know I was like, I, it's been that long. Like, and now it's going to be probably because I'm working and I don't get offs. So it's, I don't even know when I can like, because if, even if I go, I'll go for two weeks, but then in during because of pandemic, it's like one week isolation or two weeks isolation doesn't make sense to go. So I'm like, okay, maybe next August, maybe next December, maybe sometime. So it's like, I'm like, hmm, I don't know how to feel about this. Like, I don't know. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, that, that was a little thing that was harder than I expected just not knowing what's happening like I'm in touch with the news and everything and and everything but like it's like the culture that's changing that I have no idea about right, right. is there anything that you can think of during the time that you were growing up that helped prepare you so that you can be as resilient and adaptive as you are in a, another continent so far away from family? Is there anything that your family said or did or was just an understanding that this is how life is? And if you want to go out and make a path for yourself and be successful, this is what you're going to have to do. And it's not here. I knew from a very young age that I was going to leave. Like when I was 13, I think I knew because what I wanted to do, India didn't have as simple as that. Like there's no opportunity in India, proper opportunity for research. And I had already made up my mind that that's something that I wanted to do at like 13, 14. And so I switched schools and I went to an international school and I did the IB, I was, I was getting prepared to leave. And although my mom didn't like it very much, she and <laughs> the conditions were strict in where I could leave. Um, but I already knew and I had already made up my mind. And I think that's something I learned from my mom. If you make up your mind, you do it. 
simple as that. <laughs> there is no like here, there, you figure it out and you get what you want. Simple as that. Like just figure everything out in the way, but the goal should be what you want. And so I, yeah, it was just like I've tried in India, it just didn't work. I knew it, I knew the resources I wanted, the, re the opportunities I needed and the um the environment that i was in was not um equal to what i was not very helpful to what i wanted to achieve in life so i knew that i had to leave and so yeah i just left and then i knew that i wasn't i'm not probably going to go back to india but it's like it's still like are you sure <laughs> <laughs> I think um, so for me it was the complete opposite I didn't want to leave I wanted to stay in India and I was happy you know just being comfortable but my father really wanted me to leave <laughs> he just wanted me to like you know go to the US and get my education and degree there so he really pushed me at first and then eventually like once I got into it of course I was more than happy to come here um but yeah, in the same way, my mom was, I think even if I tell her right now, oh, you know, I think I'm done with school. I just want to come back. She'll be like, okay, it's okay. Come back. She'll be more than happy to have me back. But um, I think something that growing up, my parents really drilled into my head is that you just have to work hard. No matter what you do, you just have to work hard and you have to, uh, like, life can throw mm, different kinds of situations with you and you situations at you and you just have to adapt to whatever comes at you so I think that was something that definitely really helped me navigate the U.S. and get settled here plus I think for and this is the case for all of us I know I know for a fact that we do definitely have very supportive families and parents so no matter what we wanted to do no matter what you know whether we wanted to study something or whether we wanted to stay on and like pursue an internship somewhere whatever it was even if our parents did not exactly agree with it or understand it they were always supportive throughout so I definitely think that that was something that really helped me personally like personally navigate any kind of situation that the U.S. are like threw at me definitely yeah yeah um the american dream i would like i think the american dream is a very very like it's an actual thing and um especially for uh people who come from developing countries uh irrespective of um i don't know like no matter what um like uh status you are in society i feel like um a lot of people in Nepal, they have um, seen America as like the the dreamland, you know, like America is like the place where you will have to go to um, get your degree and to make your life, um, you know, to be successful. And so, yeah, so that's like, I think that I grew up with that. And like from a very young age, I remember that. Okay, so my aunt, I'm very, very... Um, I look up to her a lot and my aunt was one of the first, I wouldn't say first, but one of the first um, uh, women um, to be sent to study in the United States by their parents. And uh, she 
worked really hard and I know that she struggled a lot um, over here because she came to Ohio and that was like when that was like you know back in like you know, like 1980s or something and um, so I know that she struggled a lot she worked very hard and she had a lot of um, cultural like um, she had to go through a lot of cultural changes and adapt to a lot of things but and she was very vocal about it and I really appreciated it and I think like she's always really been like a mentor for me like no matter how young I was she would always like tell me about these things and she is doing like I think she's reached that point in life where she's just really like she's very content with herself and I've always like idolized her ever since I was a child so I knew that I wanted to go to the United States and you know so it's just like like not everyone is fortunate clearly enough um, to have their American dream play out the way they want it to and um, I think this was the year when I realized that my American dream could also like it's definitely turning into a nightmare you know as like as cliched as it sounds but <laughs> um but I just think that it's so ingrained in us ever since like we're a, like we're a kid that okay not just America but I feel like now as we're kind of like as things are changing back home I know that people are looking at the United Kingdom they're looking at Australia but you see this common pattern they just really want to get out of Nepal and they want to get out of the Asian subcontinent basically because there's that idea that you know like education is like better in the rest of the world but not your like country and I do think that that's just I've I do think that like back home like people need to step out of that thinking and I feel like slowly people are and they are choosing to stay back home because we need back people back home as well but then when you asked you know like why like what is this like inspiration like where did it come from why America so it was that like from a very young age I knew that that was going to be my end goal and my brother went to Earlham and I literally followed him to Earlham so so you know so it's just yeah it's just I think like it's a like yeah it's just a family thing too but when you go to Nepal I know for a fact that you will see this in a lot of households that people that they raise their children think like with that mentality that okay you will need to get a good education and when they think of good education they automatically think of the United States do you view home is there like a threshold oh my gosh see <laughs> that's what you're laughing about to say threshold <laughs> this is like context from like our thesis class because I used to use this word all the time but um like <clears throat> do you guys see yourself do you guys see home as a place to envision your future now in the same way you view the US as a potential for your future has that shifted now that you're older and now that you know you've like you know you you've reached the check mark of undergraduate and you're going through masters and then you know job you know always and when we talk about American Dream, <clears throat> we've spoken a bit about this. Mafer, in our first uh, conversation, was talking a bit about, you know, she's like, 
You know, it's always the next thing. It's like, okay, I got this. Okay, and now we're going to do this, and now we're going to do this. And then by the time it's like 30 years, <laughs> then then what happens? So, like, have you guys um, entertained, like, those thoughts? Like, Malvika, um, you said, you know, I don't think, like, Delhi's going to be the place that I wouldn't, like, I'm probably not going to go back there. But Satashma and Shreesha, like, have you considered home as, like, another jumping place? So um, for me, this is something that changed quite drastically because when I came into the US, I was pretty sure that I wanted to go back to India, whether it was, you know, after working for a couple of years or I don't know, or maybe I don't know if it was immediately, but I thought that I would want to go back and ultimately settle down in India. But I think that is something that has definitely changed and evolved. I'm not, I'm not, I don't know if I want to settle in the US. I don't know if I want to set, I don't really have any specific country in mind where I want to settle. But yeah, I, that is definitely something that changed for me a lot because I was so set on, you know, just like getting my, getting educated here, whether it was like, whether it was my undergrad, masters, and then eventually just going back. But I don't think that that's the path for me anymore. And another thing I think that just like being in this pandemic situation has made me realize is that I'm, I used to, I was someone who always liked to like, you know, plan ahead. And I was always like, oh, I'm going to do this in like a couple of months or, oh, I'm going to do this in a year. But I think right now I'm literally just trying to survive each day. <laughs> so yeah, I think um, I don't know where I necessarily want to be, but yeah, I guess. Mm -hmm we'll figure it out as it comes. That's yeah. the approach that I have. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, like, um, I also do not have um, a solid answer to that. Um, because, um, you know, like, when I first came to the States, my, I, I, I remember, like, freshman year, at least, I thought, okay, I'm gonna probably go back to Nepal. But then, it's just like, you just grow older, and you have different interactions in life and then you know then I just think that this is something that co is constantly changing like our path at least and I don't know but I I personally think that you kind of get very um addicted to that feeling of um being like feeling of like constant change in the sense that you do not really want to kind of just just you know settle in one place like so I, I feel like I'm like going through that right now like I'm kind of struggling like in the sense that this pandemic kind of really was like an emotional you know like experience for all of us so uh for a while I, I thought okay maybe I should go back home you know and be with family but then again I'm like but I'm studying here and I know that at least environmental philanthropy does not really have a scope yet in Nepal, you know. So I thought, okay, maybe the United States, you know, like, I guess this is my path, I thought for a while. And then, but then, you know, like, given the current, like, political climate, you do not really know what's going to happen tomorrow. And which is why I feel like I'm also taking it um, just day by day, just seeing what happens. 
And yeah, I I really wish I knew though. Like I wish I knew. Okay, I'm gonna go back to Nepal after these two years, or I wish I knew I'm okay. I'm gonna stay here, or but that's the thing. Like there's no like solid answer to it, and I think that's also this major struggle with being an international student. Like I know like people struggle with it. Like even here, like you know. Um, but I think I see this more in international students. Like we do not really know where to go from like a certain point. So we just, I think we just kind of go with the flow and see what comes our way. Yeah, I think I have my job in mind. So wherever that will take me, it'll take me. I'm like very, I want to go wherever the best science is, wherever <laughs> the best wherever it is i don't care like i know i just want to like i know that um so for so us has one good thing where you don't need a masters for a phd and it's not that all across the world so it's probably going to be the us for me for the phd but after that it's like wherever life takes me because you can do a postdoc anywhere Maybe I want to change and like, I'm like, I don't want to be here. <laughs> and yeah, I don't know. And if Trump wins, I really don't know if I want to stay simple. <laughs> like, it's like easy for me. Like, I, yeah, I'll like fund my master's somewhere and then do a PhD or something. I don't care. <laughs> like, I'll do something. But yeah, it's like wherever, wherever my job takes me, I guess. Yeah. and it's probably not going to be India <laughs> unfortunately I think of course like that, that's another thing that like living with this amount of uncertainty is also difficult so I guess you know wherever you can live comfortably <laughs> would definitely also be a major factor in deciding where we go I'm curious, as international students living in the United States right now, living with the pandemic, live, living with the social unrest, living with the political climate, and you're probably going to be our, our last interview prior to the election. If you were able to give out some advice, like to Rihanna and I, who are, you know, here in the United States and we're born here, as an international with that perspective, what would you, some advice on coming out of this pandemic and the social unrest and the political climate? What guidance would you like to offer? Because you seem to be much more resilient and adaptive than I am. Rihanna's probably better because she's much younger, but um, I struggle with selling a huge, a four bedroom house and moving in the same city and your, and the pandemic and, not seeing people and it's harder for me. So what advice would you be giving to folks that are not as resilient and mobile as you are? I, <laughs> I think we all really think that question hit us right there. Um, it's just like, I think that it's just really like um it's very tricky because like um you know like i feel like there's no proper answer to this and the thing is that 
everyone kind of deals with something um like every everyone deals with struggles they struggle differently and so i don't know like it's just like some people are optimistic and you know like i feel like it's easier for them to you know like be resilient and um but um speaking from experience at least i just think that for internationals at least i can say that just like do not forget who you are that's something that you know that i would like to advise people and by that i mean that um one of the biggest struggles has been for me has been constantly feeling whether i am like feeling like i'm worthless kind of you know like feeling like okay like do i have any like okay where do i go from here you know like that was the thing like when this pandemic happened like when this started back in march when we were asked to leave my first like in my first instinct was like my first like question was okay now where do i go from here you know and um but then there's always like an answer to it because if like i would have if like whatever if my worries had actually been like true like if whatever i feared had actually been true even though they were very rational i think that i would have already been back home in nepal by now but i'm still here almost like a year later you know so there's always i feel like there's always going to be answer and there's always going to be a solution to your struggles that's one that's a, like a word i feel like a word some words of reassurance that i can give for internationals at least and for those who are here in the united states um just stand with us you know politically um stand with us um i feel like that's one one of the easiest things i can say right now stand with us politically you know like i have really good friends here from america and i feel like they're doing they 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 support me mentally and everything i feel like that's something that comes with friendship but if i feel like if you really really want to support us i think you really just have to take a stand for us because like one thing like i really it really like kept in my mind like was it really affected me was this um series of posts that were going around on instagram when the entire protests were happening for um George Floyd and you know and i remember that some internationals had voiced their concern because if an international like you know gets like if an international student gets arrested at in a time of protest um our visa is immediately revoked our status and this and that was like a concern that was going around and then a post started kind of like spiraling around that okay like this is why we need our american allies to be there for us and to stand for us you know so as an international as a person of color i think are the biggest support in this like era that we are in in this you know situation that we're in is to stand with us politically and to be there for us politically because you can actually make a difference with that one simple political like allegiance you know that's all you've got to do because you can't like we're not we're never going to be get to vote unless we're naturalized and that's like a whole different process you know and one would think that 
like okay after staying in the states for five years one would think that okay like okay we we do not get to vote but at least we do have some say in you know like um the political yeah and and politics because like most of us are hoping to make this place our home you know so yeah so just that's about it when you talk about resilience i think resilience is just something that it it depends on like the situation that you're in and you definitely have to learn and adapt to no matter what but um in terms of the current climate that we're in i just i would just like to say that this this is definitely one of the most like crucial points in history and of course all like us here whether as women or as internationals or us as people of the three of us as like you know women of color there are lots of things at stake for us um what be it our reproductive rights be it our rights as immigrants you know there's a lot of stake there's a lot at stake so just constantly trying to remain engaged constantly trying to remain aware of not just how it affects you you as people but also affects the community around you because of course like you know where we may be in nationals but we do co- contribute immensely to the US be it to educational institutions be it the organization be it the companies we do contribute immensely and i think just keeping that in mind when you're out there be it being a part of the revolution or whether it's voting be it whatever just keeping all of that in mind and just being aware and engaged and as situ said just standing up for us when you do see something yeah. going wrong something that really was amazing to me was when the policy that you were talking about came out and how a lot of organizations and educational institutions immediately stood behind us yeah. and those are the kind of things those are the kinds of pushback that you know make a difference that's why we're still able to be here take online courses and be and just be here so i think like just being a part of all of that when you can be and showing support in the smallest of ways because i think like when all these small things come together is when you can make a difference on a large and massive scale so i just say that yeah and really quickly just adding on to something that she just said yeah like um we are all in fact really connected by like just the same thread you know like how you, like this purpose of this podcast is also echoes that you know and the thing is that people i feel like they need to realize that their actions over here it will determine the fate of those living 8000 miles away you know like those that her mind the fate of people in live, living in Nepal for instance i'll give a very brief example um when um the when trump was elected in 2016 um reproductive rights of women all the way over in Nepal was disrupted because um of course because as Nepal uh, being in Nepal like a lot of us we obviously rely on big bigger countries and so the united states um had to kind of um um cut their ties with um like a lot of free like you know free healthcare services for women back in nepal all the way in nepal and that of 
and I didn't know that either. But when I went back home, um, back in I believe this was in twenty eighteen, that's when I heard about it. And um, so yeah, it's just that um, we're all very connected, and um, and it's just you like I feel like people here they need to know that they're actually really powerful, and they you know they their voices voice can actually be heard. And if just one person can make can change the lives of so many people living around the world, and yeah, so just with that, just stand with us politically, and just know that your impact, like the know the impact that you could make for us as well. I don't think I have that much to add after that. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> but I think like to a person and what you gave an example of with you not moving I like you know not being able to move and like people here and everything I think the one thing that my mom and dad taught me was like it's your life and you should have no regrets when you like when you're on your deathbed you don't have regrets and you do whatever you wanted to do even if it fails even if you feel miserable it's your decision and at the end of the day it shouldn't be you shouldn't be thinking that maybe I should have done that if you feel as strongly as cheesy as it sounds it's what I have lived my life with Mm -hmm. and it's no regrets like even though I do have regrets I'm not gonna say I don't (laughs) but every decision that I do make and every every step that I do take is in a path of me leading to a life with no regrets mm-hmm. it's it's very easy to be comfortable and be saying and just say that um I don't want to do this because oh I don't know the consequences of it or oh I don't know what will happen it's if you want it badly enough, you should do it so that you don't think five years down the line, if I had done that, would have would it have changed things? Would it have made a difference? And blame yourself because that's not that's not nice. Like it's not a nice feeling to have it all. Like and it's something you learn and that's why I made a lot of the decisions I did because even even I was very very scared throughout everything but I made those decisions just because I knew it would be it would in the end I would be like okay you made it and you got through it and you'll be fine like what's like yeah <laughs> like it's okay like whatever <laughs> I mean, we've complained about America a lot (laughs) throughout, but something that I think just being in this country has at least changed in my personality a lot is I was always risk averse. I did not want to take any kind of risks. I just wanted to be safe. But I think that is something that has drastically changed so much. And comparative, like comparing it to what you were saying about, you know, how your parents always told you to live a life with no regrets. My father's like that. He always likes to take risks. Like sometimes they work out, sometimes they don't, but he always told me like, just do that. And I was, I think, always averse to risk, but just being in like this country really 
teaches you how to make the most out of any kind of opportunity that you get and also just okay that you know maybe this will work out or maybe it won't but you just have to take it as it comes and just taking it an opportunity as it comes to you yeah but i think like whatever we've said is also like it's not just for the us to be honest because it's anywhere you're away from home and you're not living with that safety bubble that you grew up with and it's just like every place is going to have its own challenges it's not like us is particularly bad because like right now it's the political climate but it's not like not very different like the things we feel and the things we go through every day is not very different if we had moved to like australia or like canada or something right. still like it's still a foreign place it's still it's still you don't have i don't have any family in the us like zero like i came here alone so like it's like if i had moved to any other country because my family is primarily based in india we don't have relatives i'm the first person to go abroad uh, to study in my family so it's like I, anywhere i would have gone i would have been alone i would have had to deal with the same things here it's particularly bad because of that situation but the things that we feel yeah i feel yeah. like a lot of like it's not just particular to the us yeah it can definitely be translated into many different contexts and countries right just yeah. like the mentally just yeah it's just i feel like a lot of people go through the same thing when they're in like a foreign place for sure um but there's yeah i'm sure but you know just having like it's nice to kind of at least feel a little secure um and we ha- we don't have that yet here so i think that's where the difference is but then like mavika said like being an international is always it's a struggle mm-hmm. well, thank you guys we're coming up on our hour and a half time limit and so um i'll ask you then if you have any other questions and if anyone wants to make any kind of closing statements um thank you so much for being on this call this has meant a lot to me and for me particularly like having been with you guys over the last 4 years and being able to check in with you after we had to leave so fast this means so much and i feel like i'm just like listening to wisdom for myself as well because <clears throat> i definitely feel like i'm still in this transitional period of like okay what's next and what are other people doing and how does that you know inspire me and energize me to figure out what it is that i want so this has been huge for me as well so thank you um thank you just um it's more like a um uh, like a closing remark kind of but yeah i'm i'm really like appreciative um uh first like i'd like to address riana um just you know yeah we we've seen we saw each other for four years and like no matter where we are in life i know for a fact that you know like you're constantly going to be one of those people that who are who is going to be in my mind and the fact that you're doing this just shows that you care and you care about us and it shows that you know like um you're definitely one of those people who like will kind of help us um 
basically just kind of give us that security that we need and we need that and I think that I speak for a lot of when I say that I speak for a lot of um, students at Earlham a lot of like my non-international friends who are at Earlham I know that they are definitely like our true allies and that definitely like helps us a lot and to Lynn I I just think that you're doing this is such an amazing thing that you're doing despite the fact that you have um, retired from Earlham and you still care about us so much and that is just so rare and this is something that I feel like I think like we we've talked about before too me and my friends and I it's just that Lynn you're one one of the per- like one one person that we truly miss because you've always really cared about us. So yeah, thank you so much for doing this. This is just really great. Yeah, just adding on to what Titu is saying. Thank you so much for, you know, I know you guys are also volunteering your time by doing this. It's just it's such an amazing initiative. It is one of those things that you guys are really doing to amplify our voices as well and yeah, I guess it's just Olam really teaches you that your community matters and it's people like you guys that, you know, made Olam so special for us. And then you were always someone we could go to no matter what. Like you were always such a huge support for all of us here. And I guess, and Rihanna as well, like, you know, just doing something like this and always, you were always an active voice throughout our time at Earl as well. And just taking on an initiative like this, I think it's just so special and it's just so amazing. And it's people like you who made Earlham such a special time and just such, like, it was the best four years that I've ever had. It was definitely, yeah, it's definitely what made my journey at Earlham so 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 special and thank you guys for doing this and thank you guys for just being there for us supporting us and trying to amplify amplify our voices and all in any way that you can mm-hmm. um, uh, okay i'm not great at this so <laughs> i just i just wanted to say thank you to lynn i know like we didn't like we didn't have i'm very reserved as you said so we didn't have like very heart to heart conversations or anything but i did know in the back of my head at any time any of us was in trouble we would always be like oh we can go to lynn and she'll 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 help us you know she'll tell us what to do or she'll help us or she'll write a letter or like she'll do whatever she can to help us even when no one else would help and that was like always such a safety net for us and for um in our heads to just be okay there's someone who will back us up no matter what and who will help us and that was always extremely appreciated even though um it wasn't always um we didn't always tell you but it was always always appreciated and it um working at events it was my first job no one would give me a job but you did so thank you <laughs> I really needed the money, so really thank you. <laughs> and yeah, it was um, it was an amazing time because of people like you and Rihanna. We I don't think we ever had like more than a hi or a hello, um, but I always knew about you and I always heard about you and I was always very um appreciative of everything that you did because you were 
one of the most um, involved um, U.S. citizens in our campus. Yeah. A lot of them were, and that was also um, a very big relief that there were people like you on campus always. And thank you so much for doing this. It was it was a very nice time to just talk about our feelings and how we were doing. <laughs> and yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> okay, I've already had the tissues. I keep them right by the computer when we do these interviews. <laughs> Thank you all. I, it was, it has always been for me an honor that you would allow me to walk with you on your, during your path during that time at Earlham. And the international story is a story that needs to be shared. And your experiences in and you have so much to offer to so many. And I am so grateful. I'm grateful for our production team, Annika and Rihanna, for taking time to work on this volunteer pro project in the midst of their trying to figure out where they're going as well. So thank you so much for being part of Interlocking Threads Conversations with International Students. And I wish you all well. Thank, thank you, you Lynn. Thank you, Rihanna. Thank you so much. Thank you, Annika, too. I wish she's not here. Yeah. yeah. One more comment that I wish I said earlier, but just hearing the three of you speak, I mean, when, when you ask for people to stand by you and to speak for you or vote for you or all of these things, even the way that you just thanked me, for me, just hit such a personal chord and I think it's that especially something that we've spoke about in this whole call which is just like you know like the people that you involve yourself with are going to push you into these spaces and listening to how you just honored me but also just listening to how poised and clear of thought the three of you are for me being in front like what's the word to like be an interaction with you already makes me feel furthered and so thank you so much and it really makes me think about like the past four years it's you know seeing the three of your faces it's like oh my gosh like we were with each other for you know in different capacities but for four years and to reflect on that means a lot because I think I've lost some of that in this space because I went to like an I did the the solo route and so it means a lot to me to be able to reconnect with you right now so thank you to all three of you thank, thank you, you. Okay. <laughs> I know I was like, <laughs> I'm sorry about that Cut. sorry to elongate <laughs> thank you guys have an amazing day you too. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye guys. Bye. Thank you all for tuning in. It was great to catch up with Malvika, Sitashma, and Shija and hear about how they have dealt with the uncertainties of graduating amidst the pandemic. Follow us on social media and your favorite streaming platform for more content and to be notified when our next episode is out.
And before we go, we want to give a quick disclaimer. This is an interpersonal chat cast. Any opinions expressed in these conversations are personal and through signed consent belong solely to this project. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the owner may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity. Any views or opinions expressed are not intended to malign or slander any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or state.